The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. I love that phrase, the murkiness, the murkiness. (laughs) In other words, things are so dark out there, we can't see and puzzle through what they really are. Well, guess what? That's factual, and we're living in it. We're right in the middle of it. Good morning, everybody. Oh, let's just uh, sing a little song of blues to get set for the day in the Christmas season that's coming our way in just a few days. As a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas. I loved it and still do. We're going to celebrate it getting set right now. Santa baby, slip a sable under the tree for me. I've been an awful good girl, Santa baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Santa baby, a 54 convertible to light blue. I'll wait up for you, dear Santa baby. So hurry down the chimney tonight. Think of all the fun I miss. Think of all the fellas that Just as good If you check off my Christmas list Oh, Santa baby I want a yacht and really that's not a lot Been an angel all year, Santa baby So hurry down the chimney tonight Tonight, 
Well, every dad in America at one time or another is considered to be Santa, Santa Baby. I guess maybe when that song was written years ago, Santa Baby, Santa Clauses, meaning American dads, were a little bit slimmer (laughs) than most are today. And so I don't know how many Santas are going to slip down the chimney tonight. Well, not tonight, but you know what I'm talking about. Saturday night. (laughs) I had to say it. You know why I can say it? It's because I fall into that category. (laughs) I'm not quite as slim today as I used to be. My dad was a little bitty guy compared to my older brother and me. Um, He was, I'm I'm about a little over six feet. He was probably 5'8", 5'9". Mom was taller than him. So my brother and I, we kind of got our uh, stature, our physical stature from mama more so than we did for dad. Although my dad was virtually bald, and I'm not virtually bald. I am bald. My older brother, is he's bald by choice. He shaved his head, and he did it for a really gallant purpose. Our youngest daughter went through a really tough battle with breast cancer, the whole schmeal. I mean, all of the treatments, she's fine now more than 10 years later. But we all shaved our heads, which I was already doing mine. But my brother shaved to support her, and he never let his hair grow back out. I don't understand it. The reason I'm bald is I had so little hair on the top of my head, it wasn't worth uh, messing with getting a haircut. So zip, it's gone. But anyway, that has nothing to do with today. I'm waiting as people begin to log on around the nation and the world to talk about the show today because the 900-pound gorilla today is obviously what happened late yesterday out in Colorado. The Colorado Supreme Court, I'm sure you've all heard about it and you're wondering about the facts of this. They determined they were weighing in on an appeal from a lower court decision that came out and they in Colorado, made the determination that former President Donald Trump in 2020's election, he committed an act of insurrection, and because of that, they removed him from the ballot for this year's coming up presidential race. They didn't remove him from the race, but they removed him from his name showing up to be one of the choices in the Republican Party primary in Colorado, but they had a little asterisk or two there. And if you read the asterisk, I downloaded their finding. It's exhaustive, but I found it. And actually what they did was put an asterisk and said, oh, by the way, they said the secretary of state can't put anybody on the ballot. Trump can't go on any ballot in any county, even though that was just a primary that that uh, appeal came for. So, lots of moving parts in this, and we're going to dig into it in just a little bit. But I, I first wanted to tell you, have you noticed how little we're hearing about the Hamas-Israel war? Now, yesterday when I was sitting preparing for today's show, thinking through some things that are going on around us, I honestly feel that the fact that uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, 
was in the United States for multiple days with his hands out asking for money, I think that kind of flipped the switch, at least for the holiday season, among many of our media outlets. Why? They've, they have shed all of the anger and hatred they hold dear for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. They don't have anything else to talk about. Hamas is doing what Hamas does. They're still slaughtering people. And they're being picked off one at a time. It's like every day now we get a story that's verified that one of those Hamas leaders way up high that has orchestrated in part this whole invasion thing and the slaughter that happened overnight, Saturday, October the 7th, the slaughter of more than a 1,000 Israelis. And that started this whole thing. They can't defend it any longer. They can't say those evil Israelis, because honestly, every American now knows, at least at some level, that Hamas really did slaughter a bunch of Israelis that started this craziness that is still playing out. And then I wondered, I wonder if all the protest and the violence that was portended by the initial acts that the mainstream media created to falsely draw a narrative, and making Hamas be the, the the righteous people, the people in this whole thing that are the good people, and that the Israelis were the aggressors, which is anything but the truth. And so when I was wondering all of that, I began to put the pieces together. It's just not the network's faults. It's our fault. Networks wouldn't exist if we didn't pay attention to them and respond to the reports that they put out. We're telling them basically what we want to hear about, what we want to see in our news broadcast. And so I did something I very seldom do anymore. When we get something as controversial as this measure that was uh, taken yesterday by the Colorado Supreme Court, I start looking at the circumstances around to put the pieces together. And most of the time when you hear anything on mainstream media, it's somehow grossly, if not grossly, uh, dangerously close to being a lie. But there are always gross misrepresentations. I'm going to dig into a little bit of that. As a matter of fact, one of the self-anointed, smartest people in nighttime television, uh, cable television, Rachel Maddow, I'm going to let you hear what she and Joy Reid, one of the other brain surgeons that somehow got a spot on a nighttime show at MSNBC. I'm going to let you hear how they analyze this thing. So we've got that coming up. We also have some news that's coming out of Texas. Some things that we are finding out that have been hidden for quite some time. And oh, by the way, there's this little thing about mass migration from all over the world coming through our southern border, every bit of it illegal. And our president, somebody that probably without question could be, and in many people's opinions, like mine, should be impeached for violating his oath of office and breaking millions of times federal immigration laws by his ignoring, just looking away 
and forgetting about those people that are coming into our nation and in many parts of the country are ripping it apart, killing people, maiming people. No, wait a minute. You're sounding very close to Donald Trump. Be careful, Dan. I don't think I talk like Donald Trump. In many respects, he's way smarter than I am. Yeah, he was brilliant in college at University of Penn. And he obviously built an amazing organization that is still to this day a multi-billion dollar operation. That's all from Donald Trump. Now, the left want to paint him as a criminal, somebody wanting to be caught for his crimes and punished for them. They create masterfully all kinds of stories to denigrate Donald Trump, all of his accomplishments, and in everything he says. They don't just talk about it many times. And part of what we're going to talk about today in this Colorado issue that came up, they misquote Donald Trump over and over and over. Now, why do they repeat it? I'll give you an example. I wanted to find out early this morning exactly what Trump said that they're claiming was a Nazi, a Hitler, actually saying those things. And they quoted some things that supposedly came from Mein Kampf, which was Adolf Hitler's book that he wrote. So I looked it up just to compare. Not true. Then I did a search on Donald Trump's words that say, and then I put in there what they are saying about these immigrants that are coming into the nation. That part. They misquote him all the time. But this particular part. I did a search for that. And it was, of course, anytime you do a Google search, what are the things that come up if what your question is has any close proximity to conservatism, the sources of the question, the answer, they always come up first. It's CNN, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, over and over and over again until you get way down to the bottom of the second page of searches. And there will be the actual quotation that Donald Trump said that they're jumping on him for, and he didn't say it. You're going to hear from both Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow on that issue. Let me just put you at rest. He's not going to be pulled off the ballot in 2024, period. And I'll explain all of that when we get to the story just a little bit later on. But this um, Texas thing, Everybody knows Texas is the most prominent red state in the nation, has been for a long time, full of conservatives, Southern people, hardworking, white-collar, blue-collar people. And as California and some of the other far-left states are falling apart in many ways, especially economically, their tax structure has gone haywire, many individuals, families, and corporations are leaving those big states, California, New York, and they're coming south, and many of them end up in Texas. Well, University of Texas, it's in Austin, Texas, so that attracts a lot of the collegiate-type people, the ones that 
are so-called experts in every kind of social philosophy, university professors, and what do they do when they teach their students? They just parrot into their students what they have swallowed as their poison pill. And over a period of decades, Central Texas, where Austin is headquartered, has become a blue part of the state of Texas. And so what comes with that automatically? You're elected there? you got to come into office and be anti Wow. That was loud. Marianne just dropped a, a little plate on uh, the console. Anyway, um, what comes with that is hard left thinking, period. I mean really hard left on every level. And what was the very beginning big event that they started wrapping their arms around? This happened during the George Floyd controversy where George Floyd died in Minneapolis and it was because the cops killed him. Well, of course, it comes out later. In fact, just a couple of months ago, uh, the news media, uh uh-huh, here they come, they misrepresented the official results of George Floyd's autopsy. Derek Chauvin, remember that cock that that we saw him kneeling above George Floyd laying on the concrete of that street? He wasn't kneeling on him. The official uh, autopsy report said his neck, his windpipe, there were no marks of anything, even bruising in it. That George Floyd died of an overdose of fentanyl. That just came out. Derek Chauvin's in prison for murder of George Floyd. He's a cop. So let's strike up the band. We're going to cancel police. We're going to do away with police forces around the nation in these big Democrat-controlled cities. And we watched it happen. Austin being one of those. Well, guess what happened down in Austin? The criminality has gone through the roof, top to bottom. Any kind any kind of criminal activity you can imagine happening, it was happening at some level because Austin's a big city, but nothing like they're experiencing today. And so with that big move to the left, they have city and county elections there, and who gets elected to all those positions, like police chief, district attorney, far leftist. And so what what does every far left district attorney in America do in the wake of the cancel police funding? What do they do? They back down. They stop enforcing the rule of law in their city, in their county. And what is the result of that? Criminality ramps up. So listen to this one. Austin's far-left progressive DA is getting shellacked with criticism in the community in Texas after a man who allegedly killed two while committing his seventh DUI is now walking the streets of Austin after all his charges and his bond were virtually done away with. His name is Roberto Rangel, 52 years old arrested in Travis County, Texas, that's where Austin is, for his seventh DUI 
that resulted in the deaths of 22-year-old Kate Garcia, 23-year-old Mark Navarez. Rangel, who had been sentenced to over 14 years in prison for previous DUIs dating all the way back to 1989, he pulled out of a Chick-fil-A parking lot in Austin, 2.45 in the morning, parked his car sideways in the road. A motorcycle crashed into the parked vehicle, killed Navarez and Garcia. Rangel was reportedly too intoxicated to participate in a sobriety test at the scene. One station reported that Rangel's charge was reduced to DWI a few months after his arrest, and his bond was reduced from 100000 to 10000 before he was released. Also, Rangel's bond conditions were easier and they were eased even more so earlier this year, and his portable alcohol monitor was removed. Alita Zamora said, we don't understand why he's out. That's Garcia's mother. I think that a guy like him is basically making a mockery out of our legal system. That's Mark Navarro's father, Hector. News of Wrangell's release sparked intense criticism from the locals in Austin, you can imagine, who say they're fed up with Garza's progressive agenda, a precise example of how D.A. Jose Garza's policies are directly threatening public safety. That comes from Travis County GOP Chairman Matt McCowick. Imagine a D.A. office reducing charges for somebody arrested for their sixth DUI. So an Austin criminal defense attorney named Daniel Betts, he's running as a Republican candidate to replace Democrat D.A. Garza. And he told Fox News that while Garza's office did object to lowering Rangel's bond in July, it should have pushed for a more significant charge than DWI in the first place. Those are always figured out and charged and used by whoever the district attorney is. Yet another example of how every day and every way Jose Garza works to make our community less safe. Now, remember, this is Betts who's running against Garza. While he pays lip service to victims, he fails to protect the community and uphold the law on a multiple homicide, not even bothering to attempt to indict it as anything other than a simple DWI. Travis County has been sold the bill of goods, and it's time that the voters wake up, wake up to reality and show him the door. This is happening every single day after day after day in cities, some big, some little across the nation, because the whole atmosphere of law enforcement in the United States in four years, four years has turned and winked at those who commit criminal acts. And it's not specific to any little bitty ones or any big ones. It's across the board. Accountability is gone. Now, where does this all start? You can blame it on the George Floyd debacle that happened up there in Minneapolis. That wasn't what started it, folks. That was the match that lit the fire that was wanting to be pushed out across the nation for several years. But nobody could find 
a reason that was sellable to the American people to just back way off from law enforcement and accountability. But George Floyd became the poster boy of the far left. We want to do away with the cops. And by the way, the president of the United States, he chose Kamala Harris, then a senator, U.S. senator from California, to be his running mate, knowing that she had set up a fund. And that fund on her watch was paying the bail of a bunch of people across the nation that had been arrested committing violent crimes. And she bailed them out. We don't have a report that says how many of those that were bailed out recommitted criminal acts. Where does all this begin? Where does it come from? Throughout the history of man, human beings have pushed back for some reason. There's been this spirit of, hey, take it easy. Go light. They're just human. And through the years, generations, centuries, that gets watered down. People get more permissive. They get kinder. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We can name country after country with leadership that's the exact opposite of that. Well, in those countries... How's their criminality going compared to that of the United States? If we don't hold each other accountable, if you don't have a set of rules, laws in place, that those in charge over enforcing those laws and holding the lawbreakers accountable, you don't have a nation. You can't make it. The citizens of that country are living in fear. Our town is not a big town, 100, 150,000 all in. Our criminality is through the the roof. Why is that? Because we have people in law enforcement that are waving their uh, wands of authority and just blowing away and tearing up some of the charges against these people that are one after another, twice, three times, four times being arrested for committing the same crimes. And so human nature, hey, I'm going to keep pushing until they stop me from pushing anymore. Accountability's out the window, and it's not getting better. We now have a, a president of the United States for 50 years, a U.S. senator. He was in the lawmaking body, and some of our immigration laws, he was principal in drafting, writing, and certainly voted to install those and the laundry list of criminal acts that would be committed at the federal level, which controls automatically the rules of legal immigration and defines what is illegal. That same man, Joseph Biden, is the perpetrator of pushing this thing over the cliff And he's lost control. Look at what's happening today and yesterday and the day before. None of these illegals coming from who knows where across the globe, none of them, not any of them, are being held accountable according to the rule of law that were duly passed. These immigration laws were passed by the representatives of you and me, members of the U.S. House of Representatives, and the other side of the Capitol, the U.S. Senate. They voted 
And that is the way our government democracy is structured. That's what a democracy is. We don't live in a pure democracy. We live in a representative republic. That means we the people, the republic, as a whole, individually choose in a ballot box who we want to elect and send to D.C. to represent us. Those are the people that craft the laws. That's what Joe Biden did. That's what Joe Biden, when he took his oath of office to be president, he doubled down on that and said, I am going to protect the nation and I am going to enforce the tenets enshrined in the United States Constitution. He's walked away from all of that and he's not being held accountable. And so the criminals... They're just out there doing what criminals do. Period. We're going to dig deeper this morning. I'm not going to pontificate, but I'm going to point to things that are facts, that are verifiable, and in most cases are wrong for a multitude of reasons. But that's not where it stops. It doesn't stop until the wrongdoers do wrong that is so insidious, even the anti-law enforcement people have to shake their heads. They can't believe it's being done. Don't go away. It's going to be a busy, fact-filled morning at TNN Live. At Miller Lite, we believe if you're not choosing a light beer with more taste, you need to man up, not man down. Because up is way better than down. You don't tell someone sad to cheer down. What's down, dog? A steamy pile. And you just stepped in it. Giddy down, cowboy? You must be settled on a blind three-legged jackass. Struggling to make down your mind? Let me help you. Yes, wear pants today. Looking for a down-and-coming neighborhood? Try cell block 4C. Great view with lots of bars nearby. Got a job at a start-down company? Let me guess. You slap buckets on a street corner. Getting pumped down for your big party? It's in a chat room and the only guest is Bernie, the 67-year-old retired clown. Oh, and your girlfriend's not wearing a push-down bra. It's called gravity, Isaac Nitwit. Can I be down front with you? All this down talk is bringing me down. So don't man down. Man up and choose a light beer with more taste. Triple Hops Brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great beer, great responsibility. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere. All powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe for faster police response. Because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Everybody has already heard the fact that four Democrat justices 
of the Colorado Supreme Court are the ones that voted to keep Donald Trump off the presidential ballot in Colorado next year for the 2024 election. The decision of those four Democrats to bar former President Trump from the state's 2024 ballot was made entirely by Democrats. Let me just point this out. They are not the only Democrats that sit on that court. The other two, they realized how insane it was for the majority on that court to bring the ruling that they did. That's a story for another day. On Tuesday, for the court's justices, I'll give you their names. Justice Richard Gabriel, Melissa Hart, Monica Marquez, and William W. Hood III. They voted to bar Trump from the ballot because they said Trump had engaged in a so-called insurrection on January 6th. All four are reportedly longtime Democrats, some that have some scandals of their own. Now, I've got a list of the scandals and who did what. I'm not going to go there. It'll just enrage you even more than you already are. So what are they basing this on, their opinion? Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. It's also referred to as the Insurrection Clause. It bars anyone from Congress, the military, and federal and state offices who once took an oath to uphold the Constitution but then engaged in insurrection or rebellion against it. Ratified back in 1868, this amendment, the 14th Amendment, it was put in place, this is right after the Civil War, and they wanted, the people of America, wanted to be codified in the U.S. Constitution that none of the Republican leaders that were, I said Republican, I, I should have just said Southern leaders in the Civil War, to be kept out, made sure, because they were the ones that formerly enslaved people and they wanted to enshrine many of the Confederate ideals in our government to make sure none of these people were qualified if they'd have participated in an insurrection. And wouldn't you think the Civil War <laughs> would be actually qualified uh, example of insurrection because men took up arms against the government of the United States. Their decision in this issue has prompted massive concern, including a bunch from legal scholars like Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley, constitutional expert, he characterized the decision by this judge and uh, this court out in a uh, uh, Supreme Court out in Colorado. He said it's very, very dangerous. He said, I mean, this country's a powder keg right now. This court is just throwing matches at it. And I think it's a real mistake, but I think they're wrong about the law also. He expressed his disagreement over the court's perception of the January 6th riot. He said this, you know, January 6th was many things, most of it not good. In my view, he said, it was not an insurrection. It was a riot. That doesn't mean the people responsible for that day shouldn't be held accountable. But to call this an insurrection for the purpose of disqualification and what that would create would be a slippery slope for every state in the union. This is a major and extraordinary holding from a state Supreme Court. Never in history 
has any presidential candidate been excluded from the ballot under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? This is the first time that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has ever been applied against anybody. Mueller further warned that Trump has only a small window of opportunity to reverse the decision before its effect potentially becomes permanent. Here's what it requires. State law requires the Secretary of the State of Colorado certify names by January 5th of 2024. He's talking about the candidates' names. And while it's possible to bump beyond that, practical ballot printing deadlines will quickly approach, and the holidays mean any review will be more truncated. Mueller also noted the decision might embolden other state courts or secretaries of state to also exclude the former president from the ballot. I don't mean embolden as a pejorative. I simply mean that Colorado is the first mover and no other political actor has to be the first mover. Relatedly, other jurisdictions have a blueprint of persuasive reasoning to rely upon and perhaps a doctrine that could have a preclusive effect in other jurisdictions. For his part, Trump responded to the ruling during a rally late Tuesday out in Iowa, calling the Biden administration a threat to democracy and accusing the president and his allies of using any means necessary to affect the outcome of the 2024 election. Meanwhile, his campaign spokesperson released a lengthy statement slamming both Democrats as well as the group at Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington that had filed a lawsuit that had in turn led to Tuesday's decision. Unsurprisingly, the all-Democrat appointed Colorado Supreme Court, all of those judges there are Democrats. All of them supporting a Soros-funded left-wing group scheme to interfere in an election on behalf of Joe Biden by removing President Trump's name from the ballot and eliminating the rights of Colorado voters to vote for the candidate of their choice. And I wanted to throw that in. That group, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, is not even and has nothing to do with the entire state of Colorado and George Soros funded this whole thing. So why did they do this? Well, Democrat Party leaders, they're all going running around in circles. They're in a state of paranoia over the growing dominant lead Trump has amassed in the polls. They've lost faith in the failed Biden presidency. Duh. <laughs> and are now doing everything they can to stop American voters from throwing them out of office next November. So like I always do when a big thing comes up like this, I mean really big, big, big thing, I want to get to the answers and find out what this is all about and who's saying what and why they are. So that means I only have one source to go to every time I want clarity. That would be... MSNBC. And to make it better, I looked and I found where the worst, lowest rated news network in America, MSNBC, has their two 
brain surgeons available to pontificate about this whole thing. Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow, fondly known on many people's minds and in many circles as not Rachel Maddow, but Rachel Madcow. First, though, Joy Reid was the first one to get the unbelievably surprising and graciously received word about the Supreme Court's decision on Trump. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to The Readout. And we begin tonight with major breaking news, a bombshell ruling from the Colorado Supreme Court in just the last hour states that Donald Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president and from appearing on the Republican primary ballot in that state. In a more than 200-page ruling, the court found that Trump is ineligible for the White House under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The court found that the district court was correct in its early ruling, calling the January 6th attack on the Capitol an insurrection, and that Trump, quote, engaged in that insurrection through his personal actions. The court noted, we do not reach these conclusions lightly. We are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. This frankly stunning and unprecedented decision could have major implications in the 2024 race in which Trump is currently the Republican frontrunner. The decision will likely be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, which could decide the matter on a national level. And when a big news uh, item like this drops, we there's one person we want to talk to more than anybody else. So, of course, Rachel Maddow joins me now on the phone. <laughs> Rachel, we had a whole show planned, my friend, uh, and that is completely <laughs> upended. This is what we're talking about now. I am in front of, festooned with papers in front of me, but I just want to listen to you react to what Colorado's Supreme Court has done. Yeah, Joy, first of all, thank you for having me on. I know it's very short notice, and we're all just trying to absorb this. Um, I mean... Listen, I, I think in the in the broad strokes, in terms of our democracy, there are very few magic wands. <laughs> there are there are very few sort of um, you know magic spells that you cast that um, make a make a complex and difficult problem go away. That just it just doesn't happen very often in our political system, and I think that we shouldn't be under any illusions um, about the the character and the partisan inclinations among other things, of of this current Supreme Court as it is constituted. That said, yeah. it is not it is this is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. This is mm-hmm. um, this is this is something that was a hallmark of post-war Germany uh, after World War II. This is something that happened to Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil quite recently. This is something that our own Congress did in 1868 after our own civil war, specifically to preclude anybody from holding office in this country who had engaged in insurrection against this country. And so it's it's not unheard of, but it's it would it would be an incredible wild card. It would indeed. And to your very point, um, you know, uh, there are 14 members who were expelled during uh, the Civil War for supporting the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. The 14th Amendment, Section 3, was written for the Confederacy. It was written because of that insurrection. And I think what was the most stunning to me, Rachel, I haven't gone through this, a very, very thick ruling. It's it's a big stack of paper. But the part that I've gotten through, what, what I found the most stunning is that what this court has said is that the, the, the previous court, the lower court, 
court was not wrong in saying that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection. Their only error was saying that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which, again, was to prevent insurrectionists from serving, didn't apply to presidents. They said, oh, no, we agree with the lower court. He did engage in insurrection, but Section 3 does, in fact, apply to presidents. I guess it was surprising that the lower court said that it didn't. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting, after that district court ruling, um, the, the Trump side appealed part of it, and the plaintiffs appeared the, appealed the other part of it. And so it was a you know, real question as to what the, what the Colorado Supreme Court was going to do here. But, I mean, let's keep in mind the scale of this. So this is about Colorado only. It will, you said it will likely be appealed to the Supreme Court. It will certainly be appealed to the United States Supreme Court. Um, and then their ruling... Um, I mean, depending on what they rule, they could just swat this down and, and, and make this go away. But if they engage with it in a more nuanced way, or if indeed they agree with the findings of the Colorado Supreme Court, then this will be uh, something that has national implications. And um, this, this, will, this will apply in, in, in many states. And so, uh, listen, I, I, I don't think this is the way that Donald Trump's political career ends, ultimately, because of what we know about this iteration of the United States Supreme Court. But mm-hmm. the factual findings about him having engaged in insurrection, as defined technically for the purposes of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which says insurrectionists cannot hold office in this country. It's not that you can't run for office. It's that you cannot hold office in right. this country because you have broken your oath. That is a, it's, it's, it's not a flippant decision. They, fact, they did fact-finding to arrive at that. And... It's it's gonna it, it's it's going to matter some way. I I don't believe it will be a magic wand that that ends his political career. But um, this is a substantive finding and a and a real surprise from the Colorado Supreme Court. Absolutely. Well, let's let's break that down into two pieces. Let's first talk about how how much it could expand, like how much this could metastasize for Donald Trump. The the, the worries over Colorado, right? This is not a, a swing state that he would likely win anyway. Whatever, but. There are other state courts that have already rejected similar lawsuits attempting to keep him off the ballot. And I will name them. Arizona, Michigan, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. The plaintiffs challenging Trump's eligibility in Michigan filed an appeal to that state's Supreme Court just on Monday. So there is a potential ripple effect here. And, you know, I wonder what you think about that and also what you think about it being this court. This court that doesn't seem to have much respect for precedent, but calls itself originalist, its majority does, its conservative majority does, and a court that has a member whose wife, (laughs) whose wife materially participated in the insurrection and who probably won't recuse himself. Clarence Thomas's wife, I mean. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if the Supreme Court were to affirm this ruling, he could be disqualified, not just in Colorado, but in but in multiple states. And so, like the stakes, the stakes couldn't be higher. Um, as you say, they define themselves as originalists. What does originalism means? It means it's a. I mean, my <laughs> layman's take on it is that it's a fairy tale. But <laughs> if you listen to the way that Fair. they talk about it, it's that there's no interpretation. Essentially, that all of all they are doing is applying the language of the Constitution as the people who wrote that language intended it in their own time. Again, I think it is kind of a fairy tale, but that's the way they talk about it themselves. In the case of the 14th Amendment, this was written in 1868 specifically to preclude people from holding office in the United States if they were pre- if they had engaged <laughs> in trying to overthrow the government of the United States or if Hello. they had previously been office holders who violated that oath. Um, and so it's, I mean, if you, 
I look at that as a person who doesn't agree with this originalism fantasy legal philosophy, and I say, well, seems pretty clear to me, but (laughs) you you and I know, and every, you know, every realistic observer of the Supreme Court knows um, that they're not, they're not given to um, grand gestures in any direction other than a right-wing direction. They are willing to do even very radical things. They're willing to take up cases where the fact, the purported facts of the case aren't real. (laughs) They're willing to take up cases (laughs) where they're supposedly governed by precedent and just decide that precedent doesn't apply anymore in this case because they have a new feeling. I mean, they're willing to do incredibly radical thing in the service of conservative policy aims. I've had enough of that dribble. So let me cut to the chase. I'm not going to insult you by trying to interpret what you and I just heard, but I want to put it in the context of what they said it really meant. And of course, the only thing in law at any state Supreme Court, and of course then the U.S. Supreme Court, is not to put yourself and your thinking and your thoughts into the head's of anybody else, but you're supposed to only determine what's right and what's wrong in comparison to what the rule of law that is applicable says. So they just blew right through the substance, the only substance that matters in this whole thing, which is the 14th Amendment, Section 3. So, I mean, I thought, I've heard everybody talk about Donald Trump, he is one of the people that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment says can't ever serve in any office in the United States, ever, ever. But it's very specific of what that covers. So I'm going to do something kind of revolutionary. I'd like to read slowly, because it's only one paragraph. I'm going to read you slowly the Article 14th Amendment, and Section 3. Listen closely. In fact, I'll I'll read it slow, but do it twice, because I want you to gather your thoughts on every word. Quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or electoral college elector, president, and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same are given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. Now, I'm going to read it one more time, and then I'll point out a few things, and then we'll move on. Quote, No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or electoral elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath 
as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So what's the substance of all of this? Lay aside the giggling and the laughing and making fun of the people that are involved in this, including the members, the so-called conservative members of the United States Supreme Court. Both of these women dismiss anything that any of the conservatives on the court say or rule according to the law, they laugh about it. They can't do that. They're making up things. They're giving their own opinions. They're not doing this according to the rule of law. But then when a ruling comes out of a state Supreme Court that is just right down the line where these two are politically, not according to the law, but for politics, they're all in. Hey, 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 hey. Oh my gosh, yes, they said this. And I'll give you, after we finish this section, one word that has changed the entire landscape of the allegations, the most recent allegations made against former President Trump. But let's get back to this. The first thing, this section, section three, it delineates by name the officers who this applies to. Okay, let's read that part again. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector, electoral college representative of president and vice president elections or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or has an executive or judicial office of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection. Does it define what an insurrection is? Well, obviously, they want to say and maintain, they being these two wonderful, brilliant jurists, both of them are attorneys, that's law, right? And so whatever they think is insurrection, that's going to be what it is, right? Well, the Constitution doesn't define insurrection. And oh, by the way, I don't know of a single state in the United States that has a law in which the term insurrection is defined. So what does that mean? Well, anybody can take the word insurrection and just say, hey, this is what it means, and they're drawing up their conclusions based upon what they think, not the facts. First of all, did you hear in that list I've now read to you three times the inclusion of the president? It's not in there. So let let me give you just a brief one-paragraph history of how this ruling that came out of the Colorado Supreme Court, how it got to the Supreme Court. There were two cases involved. 
And the judges were split on the terminology. Half the judges voted that this was not insurrection. Half did. Also, part of the justices, their dissension was based on two things. Number one, the word president's not listed in here. It doesn't apply to the office of the presidency. That's number one. But the other thing is insurrection. It's not there. So that what they want to say for this purpose, for this specific example, they want to say Donald Trump was part of the insurrection. Now, what insurrection are they speaking of? When was there an insurrection? Well, they point back to this is right after the Civil War. There were all kind of different wars, pieces of wars, fights across the nation between the North and the South, all those kind of things. That's insurrection. I find it difficult that anybody could support in any way an insurrection, if that's what you want to title what happened on January 6th, an insurrection. How does anybody, why would anybody go to overthrow the government and there were no guns? Well, there were guns. Who had them? Nancy Pelosi's Capitol Police Force, who she put on point to be ready to go. Oh, and then another little missing link. Did you hear the details of those indictments against former President Trump? Old Jack, man, he filled it all up there, didn't he? Well, in the conversations in the run-up to all the acts that we were told in advance for weeks and weeks and weeks were coming from Jack. He was going to indict Trump for everything. Trump breathed the wrong way, and he breathed in some of my air, and that's an act of insurrection. Did you read the part of the uh, indictment where Jack indicted Trump for insurrection? Now, if that was an act of insurrection, why would the special prosecutor who has one job, one job and one job only, keep Trump from being able to run for office again? Do you think he might have defaulted to the word that everybody is using to codify their personal feelings about Trump and what he did? You notice... In all of the stuff, the pre-trial motions and everything, Jack has never used the word insurrection in anything he said in court or any of the documentation for what he's charging Trump for doing. Why is that? It wasn't an insurrection. It's just a simple word to use to get people get Americans, get all 900,000 people that listen to MSNBC at night. Did you realize that? Their biggest night is 900,000. Let me give you a small comparison, not of this show, but at the stories we publish at truthnewsnet.org. Two days ago, we published a story that revealed for the first time to many Americans, including me, 
the American taxpayers have spent over a billion dollars each of the last three years supporting Planned Parenthood and their abortion process. You know how many people we had read that story the last time I looked this morning? Just looking to see how many. 3.3 million. And MSNBC and these goddesses of information, education, we've got it all. They had less than 900,000 people in the United States watching. They make so much noise and they demand that we give them credibility and believe anything and everything they say. Case in point. They brought it up. They talked about it as ad nauseum. Everybody out there on the left is ad nauseum. That verbiage from Mein Kampf, that was Adolf Hitler's book that he wrote. And Trump's out there, he's quoting, he is a fascist. He joked about it, but he means it. He's going to be a dictator on the first day in office. And that's all they quote him as saying, but what he said, and in the context of what he said, he was being humorous. He was going to be a dictator one day, and that was to close the southern border. And he said that. Oh, the left went crazy. These two, day after day after day since that happened, and they make it expand because if he said that, here's what he means. And then they they launched into his quote about immigrants or destroying the blood of Americans. He didn't say that. I heard it this morning three times in the news. Trump said immigrants are poisoning the blood of Americans. He didn't say that. What he said, I'll tell you the exact sentence, and then I'll put it in the context, which he did when he said it, but they don't want to quote that. What he said was, and I'm waiting to get it exactly right, the blood of Americans are being poisoned by undocumented immigrants that are coming into this nation by the thousands. You got the difference there? The left won't use the term undocumented. He wasn't talking about immigrants. And let me tell you how I know that. You may not know this, but do you know his wife is an immigrant? However, when she came to the United States from Slovakia, Melania we're talking about. She came legally. She wasn't undocumented. But when you come in for the first time from out of the country and you subscribe and get into the legal system, there are a lot of things that have to be released, discovered, turned over, investigated. You don't walk in today and tomorrow, bam, you're proclaimed a citizen of the United States if it's legal. Undocumented people every day that are flooding across our southern border. Records, two days in this week already. Record one-day crossings at our southern border. We have no idea who those people really are. We have no documentation, no identification. They throw it away. The, the, uh, uh, the people that 
bring them in before they get to the southern border. They make them take their identifications, driver's license, security cards, whatever they have, even library cards, and they pile them up and they leave them there because they don't want to know. They don't want our government to know who these people are, where they came from, because a huge portion of them, first of all, they're coming illegally. That should be a, a warning sign to everybody. It is to most Americans by far, and most Americans think Joe Biden's responsible for every bit of it coming in, and he is. He's the president of the United States. If they want to make insurrection just because they don't, somebody doesn't want people to flood in the nation, and the law states what the rules are, and they took an oath of office, Joe Biden, by their definition, shouldn't be able to run again. In fact, he shouldn't be still the president of the United States because he suborned millions of illegal immigrants' actions. And he somehow, Joe Biden, is directly responsible for 400,000 criminal acts committed against Texans by illegals in two years. And those actions that are perpetrated by those are everything from first-degree murder down to breaking and entering, each of which is a criminal act. And by immigration laws, Joe is suborning criminality. He's guilty, if he would ever be charged and found guilty, but he is doing it, and he doesn't even try to hide it. Illegal entry into the United States is a criminal act. Multiple or felony acts with penalties. And every one of the penalties includes when they get to the criminal act act, uh, act level, removal from the United States. None of that's happening. Said enough about that. <laughs> I just wanted you to know what the facts are when you're listening to quote-unquote facts being misquoted by some of the so-called smartest people in media today. They're not telling the truth. They're not at all. And the reason Jack Smith didn't charge Donald Trump for insurrection, even though there's not a firm definition of it, he knew he couldn't prove it because it wasn't insurrection. It wasn't. There was no attempt by anybody to overthrow the government. And he forgets about these people do too. On this show, five times now, I've played you the actual words as they're being spoken on the floor of the United States House of Representatives after an election when Republicans win the presidential race, 18 different Democrats that have risen to their feet, screaming at the top of their lungs, trying to get their fellow members of the House and the Senate to reject the election of that Republican to the office of the presidency. Why? Because they weren't legally elected. And by those people's exact interpretation, that's an act of an insurrectionist. Sometimes facts matter. Well, let me rephrase that. Facts matter all the time. It's just if anybody out there actually t- 
terms them to be facts. But if the left, if they don't want to call it facts, hey, forget about it. It's not factual, right? You're at a restaurant just after a meal. Uh, the bill comes. Sir, here's your bill. Oh my gosh, it's a whopping amount. <gasps> you pass it on to the next person. Hey. He passes it on. Hey. And on. We. Oui. Nobody likes unpleasant surprises. Well, why should you? With the new Hutz Delight Meals, you won't get any surprises in your bill. Just pure value. Enjoy your favorites every day, from pizzas, pastas, to sides and drinks, from as low as 14 ringgit per person. Available for dine-in only. At Akio, we've been making the best in mobile phones for over 20 years. How did we get there? By putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing. Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls, pick it up. It's for you. Akio Mobile. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. <laughs> Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. We're, before we leave this subject, let me let me just spend another couple of minutes and talk about Donald Trump is a fascist. He's a fascist. He's a dictator wannabe. He makes it very clear that's who he is. Well, one thing we need to note is what did he do in four years that was even remotely close to what a fascist would do? So I thought, why don't we just go see what fascism and fascists really are? So I did. And I didn't go to Wikipedia. I went to Webster's Dictionary, where I think none of that stuff, their content, was politically, uh, politically motivated. It was factual. So definition of fascism, from there we can turn it into fascist. Number one, a political philosophy. This is fascism. A, mo- a movement, political philosophy, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. And the second definition, a tendency toward or actual exercise of strong autocratic or dictatorial control. Now, let's just be frank. 
What has Donald Trump, what did he do when he was in office? What has he done? One example of fascism and him being a fascist and implementing these people without adhering to the constitutional rule of law. There's not a damn thing. I'm sorry. I'm a little ramped up today. Not one in his rearview mirror. Let's put the shoe on the other foot. Can you think of anything this president has done that falls into that definition? Let me read it again. A political philosophy or movement or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Our world today is full of examples of under Joe Biden, fascist circumstances are ripping the nation apart. We found out, documented live on this show, Steve Baker proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that what happened in January 6th was involved dramatic fashion with the FBI. You're going to hear more about that in coming days, but it is proven that there were plants out of this government that were on site to ramp up and try to get a real insurrection going so they could do anything and everything on their own from now on and not even get the American people mad about it. It was revealed yesterday. Joe Biden, on his own, no consultation with Congress, he decided we got to make a place for these immigrants. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to build this huge place, centralized place, and we're going to make every one of these illegals that come over here live there where we can watch them and take care of them. You know, the drivel, the same kind of stuff the left says that they're going to do that's illegal, but it's because we love people and we want them to be, you know, well and healthy and all those kinds of things. So, He issued a contract. Congress didn't agree, didn't see it, had no say-so, either Senate or House. $800 million, and guess who the contract went to? One of Joe Biden's longtime friends and a campaign big time for Joe Biden. What else has Joe done? Well, just forget about it for a second. Every day, arbitrarily choosing not to enforce federal immigration laws down at our southern border, I think that follows um, the definition of a fascist, centralized autocrat government headed by a dictatorial leader. Oh, and also severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition. There are more than 150 American citizens that just simply went on January 6th to see our government work and how it does and see the change of hands. No guns, almost no violence on most parts. And then look at what happened to these people. Over 100 of them are in jail today, today because of Nancy Pelosi's organized and structured so-called insurrection. 
to do anything to keep Donald Trump from ever being allowed to serve in office. What about those people in prison? We had one day before yesterday that was released after more than two years behind bars. All charges were dropped. With the exposed facts of the lying and cheating in the aftermath of the prosecution of some of these people, absolutely, some of them, they perpetrated criminal acts. They should, they should be held accountable according to the law. Equal justice under the law, though. Steve Baker documented the two most public people in the Capitol Police, both of them African Americans. We covered these stories exhaustively. We named names. You can go get them. In fact, you could go back and look at Steve Baker's articles run on truthnewsnet.org. Most recently in the last 30 days, they revealed names. These two officers, both of them, became heroes on the left because they went after these evil insurrectionists. And they, under oath before Congress and in the trials of these Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and others that were there, they lied under oath to Congress and in these trials and on their testimony, more than 100 people are in jail. And the facts came out over the last 10 days that exonerate them. Mainstream media covering any of that for you? Nope. Mainstream media, they take their marching orders from the top. Forget about the rule of law, fairness, honesty, real journalism. Forget about it. If it doesn't fit the political narrative of the political God they serve, they're not even going to talk about it. New York Times took two years Two years to even acknowledge Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> we could stay here all day, but I just wanted you to get the facts about what is fascism and who among us is a fascist. And as I've said many times on this show, when you see somebody, a politician out there, waving their arms and screaming and hollering you, talk to you about the facts. Don't listen to what they're saying. Don't listen to them waving that arm in the air to draw your attention. What's really going on, you can find behind their backs that they don't want you to see. And that, my friends, is a fact. So why don't we shift gears? It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. What are you doing about Christmas presents? I don't want to talk about anything bad, so I'm not, but I'm just going to mention most Americans are in something of a crack. Money's not stretching out quite far enough. And they're worried. Saddest thing I think that's happening is the reports have come out every week, every month, through the last two years about Americans struggling to even be able to eat, take care of utilities, buy gasoline, groceries, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Meanwhile, the Biden administration, he's out again. He's touting his Joe Bidenomics, and he's doing that in the face of his support as president just going straight into the crapper.
getting worse and worse and worse. Why is that happening? Because Americans are seeing the truth. How is it for you? Ask a few people out on the streets, how's Christmas going for them? Here's some answers. Got mixed reviews this morning. Some people say they're shopping more comfortably this year. Other people told me they're feeling the pinch. Take a listen. I think we're spending a little more this year than we did uh, last year. Yeah, inflation is up, but, you know, lately the stock market's been up. Everything is going up so much, so it's kind of reduced my spending amount this year. A new Fox poll shows voters across party lines are rating the economy negatively. The economy remains the most pressing issue for voters. Only 14% of respondents say Biden's economic policies helped them. 46% say they believe his policies hurt them. On the other hand, more people say their personal financial situation has declined, with 36% of people saying their situation is excellent or good. This comes as Moody's Analytics reports that household debt balance have reached over $17 trillion. Have you noticed how people are talking about Christmas? It used to just be everybody was on the same page. Now people have problems and people's problems are different from person to person, family to family. But Christmas has always been something that we can kind of rally around. And that's because It's not supposed to be, never has been, but of course, we Americans allow everything to be politicized. And of course, Christmas is politicized. I think in my early years, the one thing that was the only controversial part of Christmas was when somebody came up with the thing about taking the word Christ out of Christmas and replacing it with an X. You remember that Xmas? Oh my gosh, especially in the South. We don't do that down here. We're Christians. Christ is the reason for Christmas. And guess what? That is a fact. Did he actually get born on January 25th? I have no idea. And it's immaterial the day, but what's critical and material is that we, at some point, recognize he is. Christ is the reason for the season. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's a fact. Well, how do you know it, Dan? I'll tell you how I know it. I decided, I made a choice from teaching, from looking and analyzing both sides of is it or is it not, for myself, doing research, going into the Bible, and then talking to people that I trust I made a decision many, many, many years ago. Christ is the reason for the season. If you don't believe that, you know why you don't believe it? You made a decision too. You're not going to believe it. Why don't you believe it? Well, we don't know factually. There are a lot of things that you make decisions about that you don't know the factual basis for making your decision. But you feel and sense it's what the decision should be that you make. I'm no different from you. I think Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. I believe he is God's son. I believe he served and learned about serving God for 33 and a half years. I believe he was beaten and crucified by his own people. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. Why do I believe it? 
because I made a decision, a choice to believe it. And so I brought that Xmas thing up. How are we Americans today in the midst of everything? How are we talking about Christmas? Last night on Jesse Waters Primetime, he asked a few people. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. Oh, come on now. Christmas. Kidding me. There's a big debate out there. Is it Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? It's Merry Christmas all the way. I say Merry Christmas everywhere I go. Nowadays, I tend to say Happy Holidays. That's very progressive of you. You know? So we're going to have to chop one down. This one looks a little too small. Let's look at this one. Smells nice. I felt like Joe Biden there for a second. You've got a lot of things. What does the Christmas tree mean to you? Just happiness. The birth of Jesus. Gives the family a reason to kind of gather around it. You like to rock around it? <laughs> yes, we definitely do. Getting down just for the funk of it. Why do you think a real tree is better than a fake tree? The real tree is the environmentally correct choice. Well, a fake tree isn't a tree. It's just a decoration. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you ask a thousand people what they feel, you're going to get at least 900 different versions of what they feel and what and how that compares to others. But the one thing I think everybody can just kind of agree on, it is a special time of year. It really is. And we choose what we want to believe and who and what we trust. It's hard sometimes, but I don't diminish anybody else's religious thoughts. I don't. Why is that? Because we all have the right to make our own determinations about who we believe, what we believe, and what we're going to do about it. And I trust you in that in that place. And just because we may disagree doesn't mean you're evil or I'm evil. It means we disagree. And we're both going to just disagree, hopefully, that we're going to get along even if we disagree on that one or maybe two things out of the holiday season, the Christmas season, this time of year. But the most important thing is, come on now, get out of the doldrums. Quit thinking about all the negative and bad things because we make choices on which things we want to obsess about, what we want to think about, what we want to talk about, and what we're going to do. So why not make the choices to just for a season, 30 days maybe. Actually, it would be better if we did it every day. But just think positive thoughts. There's a lot of good that comes with that. Even if we can turn the bad things somehow into good thoughts. Those are all things that we make choices about. Let's get into United States stuff and bad stuff happening. Have you heard... Japan's company, big corporation, Nippon Steel, they have agreed to buy U.S. Steel Corp. for a paltry $14.1 billion. Now, U.S. Steel, that's basically our steel industry. We're selling it to Japan. At least it's not China, right? A major U.S. Steelworkers Union and a top U.S. politician, they came out against the Japanese conglomerate's all-cash agreement to buy the U.S. firm for $55 a share. Cash, all cash, $14.1 billion. 
The deal price marks a 40% premium on U.S. Steel's closing price last Friday. Represents an equity value of about $14.1 billion. That's for the shareholders. Nippon will also assume the U.S. firm's debt, taking the total value of the agreement to $14.9 billion. The U.S. company's share price finished the trading day up more than 26% in one day after the announcement. So while the markets responded positively to it, the United Steelworkers Union, which represents 1.2 million steelworkers and retirees, they don't think much about it. In a statement, USW International President David McCall said the deal demonstrates the same greedy, short-sighted attitude that has guided U.S. Steel for far too long. Neither U.S. Steel nor Nippon reached out to a union regarding the deal, we're told, which is in itself a violation of our partnership agreement that requires U.S. Steel to notify us if a change in control or business conditions is about to happen. John Fetterman, Lurch, (laughs) U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania, he represents a state with many steel plants, He obviously came out against the Nippon deal and vowed to try and block it from going ahead. I don't see any way he can. It's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a company. That's from John Fetterman. Steel is always about security as well, he continued. I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here. Nippon Steel said it would honor all collective bargaining agreements with USW as part of a commitment to maintaining strong stakeholder relations. I just wonder if maybe, oh, maybe, there would be a clause in the contract between U.S. Steel and Nippon that they couldn't sell the company to anybody else but either the United States itself or a company in the United States. Wouldn't it be horrible if in six months, a year, whatever, story comes out and Nippon Steel sells U.S. Steel to China. Hmm, hadn't thought about that. I just get leery of any kind of relationship countries around the world have with China, corporations in the United States have with China, And pretty much every day we're finding out one more situation in which China is up to their eyeballs in American stuff and operations and corporations and farmland. And that American governments, municipalities, state, local levels, they're in the tank. They're anxious to sell China whatever China wants to buy. That can't be good for the American people. We already know. China owns way, way more of our nation, our infrastructure and our businesses than we thought would ever happen. And I don't understand why states, some have, but not every state has put a stop to that. But even more than that, why hasn't Congress stepped up and stopped it? We're giving, we're not giving it away. We're selling our nation. And there are a lot of other foreign issues that we need to take care of. Did you hear about this? China, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, they had a meeting 
China, Iran, and Saudi Arabia had a meeting, and in it they recommitted to each other, and the meeting happened in Beijing. Beijing hosted the deputy foreign ministers of those countries, Iran and Saudi Arabia, this past weekend, a meeting that the Chinese foreign ministry described on Monday as a sign of the Communist Party's commitment to playing a constructive role in the Middle East. The Chinese Communist Party brokered talks between the Sunni and Shiite rivals that led to the announcement in March from Beijing of the restoration of diplomatic relations between Tehran and Riyadh. Sorry about that. Riyadh is uh, the capital city of Saudi Arabia. Iran and Saudi Arabia have for years maintained a bitter rivalry, the result of both their religious differences and Iran's status as the world's foremost state sponsor of terror. Iran-backed terror entities like the Houthi Jihadist group of Yemen pose a big threat to Saudi national security. Saudi Arabia has allowed relations with Iran to thaw in the past two years, in part because of the worsening ties with us, thanks to belligerent statements and poor diplomacy by the administration of President Joe Biden. Remember this as a candidate back in 2020? Biden promised to turn Saudi Arabia, who is a traditional ally of the U.S., into a global pariah. Now, that doesn't sound too let's-get-together-ish. As president, Joe outraged Saudi Arabia by delisting the Houthis as a terrorist organization. Despite no evidence, the group had abandoned their terrorism. And we're seeing it right now, every day, happening against the United States and our allies in the Israel-Hamas debacle. When Biden went to Jeddah to meet Crown Prince Mohammed bin, uh, bin Salman, he's, that, he's known as MBS. When he went to that meeting, he received a very cold welcome. They didn't really welcome him to the meeting. That awkward meeting preceded what China branded a honeymoon with the Mideast power. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he bizarrely welcomed China's involvement in normalizing the Iranian terror regime. This came back in June, stating of China's role in normalizing ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia, quote, if China takes initiatives that actually help solve problems and advance peace, that's a good thing and we support it. What the heck and when did any of that happen because of China with anybody? Any other country. I mean, you've got China, Iran, and China, and Iran. <laughs> Those three get along with each other. you got to throw Russia in there every now and then. China's over time is desperately attempting to elevate their geopolitical profile in the Middle East, both as an attempt to expand its economic influence in the region and to support anti-American interests also in the region. Communist Party has been a vocal supporter of the jihadist terror organizations Hamas in the aftermath of the October 7th atrocities committed against Israel. We'll never forget that. 1,200 people dead, involved in gang rape, the gruesome killing of babies, desecrating corpus, corpses. This all began overnight, October 7th, wee hours of that Saturday morning. 
according to a report out Sunday by the Iranian outlet Tasnim Moves, Israel's self-defense operation in Hamas-dominated Gaza was one of several topics that were discussed by the Iranian and Saudi officials in Beijing. China's number one diplomat, Foreign Minister Wang Yi, hosted Iranian Deputy Foreign Minister Ali Bakari and Saudi Deputy Foreign Minister Walid El-Kariji to reportedly discuss both cooperation among three parties and unity on message against Israel for attempting to prevent a repeat of October 7th. This sounds very sinister to me. What about you? It's like the bullies out there that are historically the bullies, if you throw Russia in that group, they're getting together, ganging up, and coming to some types of agreements where they can go out now and proudly boast it's them against us. Them would be the United States and every other free nation, and the us would be, for sure, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and China, and most certainly Russia. And by the way, if you didn't know this, the number one purchasers of Saudi Saudi oil and Iraqi oil is China. So you know why China's there, and it's not to be the big brothers to help these other Middle Eastern countries out. It's so that when it's time for China to need something, whatever it is, they've ponied up and they're probably going to give money and help out these other nations they're all going to get sucked into a partnership, I promise you. And it doesn't look like it's going to be good. We talked about Jack Smith. He's the special prosecutor that is very quietly going after Donald Trump, and he's not being real successful so far. Timing in his prosecution of the former president's really been a big deal. Trump now, they're telling us, is unlikely to stand trial as scheduled in the District of Columbia, where he's accused of the insurrection thing. The trial has been set for March 4th, which is a politically significant date because it's just one day before Super Tuesday when the greatest number of U.S. states are going to hold their primaries. However, the pretrial proceedings have grown increasingly complex with several pending motions and appeals as well as one case before the Supreme Court that could collapse half of the charges against Trump. It would be in Trump's interest to have the trial delayed until after the election. Why? Because he's running for the Republican nomination, and if he wins it, to run in the general election next November. Prosecutors led by special counsel Jack Smith, they have so far been demanding on this March date. They've argued that it's in the public's interest to have the case resolved as quickly as possible. Forget about the due process thing. They want to determine what date these things happen, these trials happen, so that they can make sure they get rulings against Trump before the election. So all the efforts to stick to this tight schedule, which Trump's lawyers have repeatedly objected to, were thrown up in the air on December 13 when the federal judge presiding over the case, District Judge Tanya Chutkin, put the case on hold. Why'd she do it? 
Well, after the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of D.C. decided to hear Trump's appeal on the issue of presidential immunity, lawyers for Trump have argued his actions to challenge the 2020 election were within the bounds of his presidential duties and are thus covered by presidential privilege. They also asserted that because Trump was impeached by the House of Representatives for his election challenge and then acquitted by the Senate, he shouldn't be charged criminally for the same actions. Go figure. Have you heard anybody even mention that? Why is that? Because mainstream media, they don't want to give Donald Trump any arrow to stick in his quiver that he can use to somehow prove he's not guilty. The first argument is much stronger than the second. That's according to three constitutional experts. A three-judge panel on the D.C. Circuit asked these parties to brief it on the issue by January 2nd, giving them less than three weeks for the holidays in between. This is an absurdly fast schedule for a case that is not an actual emergency. That's what one criminal defense attorney, Leslie McAdoo-Gordon, said who's closely been following the the case on it. It's so compact that it's not a serious effort in analyzing the issues, she wrote. It's pointless. She questions whether the fast schedule was because of Smith's request to the Supreme Court to rule the presidential immunity issue on an expedited basis. If the Supreme Court accepts the case, it would effectively jump the D.C. court, rendering the lower court decision superfluous. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Supreme Court will take this case and they will decide it. It's too important for the country and constitutional analysis and interpretation for them not to. So what these three D.C. judges think ultimately just does not matter. And if that holds, that is a big plus for Donald Trump because judges in the D.C. circuit at every level are very, very far left. And those, by the way, are the just judges that oversaw all of the cases of the so-called insurrectionists, the J6 people that were thrown in jail, and they locked them up and they, until now, until the revelations coming out in the last two weeks. They've thrown away the key, and they're not going to let these people out. All of this centers around the justice system. And in this case, what justices or what judges in these D.C.-based courts did Joe Biden put in office? Far too many of them. Way too many of them. Wow. Well, what you got planned for your weekend? I know it's too early. It's just Wednesday, Dan. Well, the kids are out of school. Everybody's at home. You don't just need to look ahead at Christmas Day. Use these days until then and do fun things, do family things, and have a great time. Time of the season. It's Merry Christmas time. Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Duncan. America runs on Duncan. 
Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say the What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not gonna cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN. Something came to light the last couple of days that I think are really, really important things regarding the time of year. Card draining. Card draining is a new scam that is affecting major retailers and that makes people's gift cards useless. Oh my gosh. It's Christmas time. A lot of, you can't decide what to get Bubba, what to get Uncle Joe for Christmas. Hey, you know they shop at such and such a store. Give them a gift card. Load it with some cash. That way you don't have to worry about what to get him. Police nationwide are urging all of us to be on high alert for this cruel card draining scam that is rendering gift cards purchased at Target and other retailers worthless. Suzanne Godvick, quote, I was really shocked by it. She's a victim of the scam. Godvick's a Colorado resident. She said she loaded a Target gift card with $200 for a friend whose daughter was having a baby, not knowing the card was already scammed. I gave it to her. She went to Target to try to use it, and she was at the cash register checking out. She was told by the cashier there was a zero balance on the card and was also told that the gift card was assigned to another person's account. There was no money there for her to use for all of the things that she was buying for this new baby, she said. My particular gift card, the back of it was exposed, so it was very easy for them to access the information off the back of the card. There was a silver lining on there. That protective security code had been scratched off. Numbers were taken when they took that gift card out of the store. Then they expertly put back on that silver lining. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that silver strip that you scratch off and it's got the number of the card on there that has to be presented at the time you use the card to buy something. She said, I picked it up. They had all the information. I loaded it, and when they have an elaborate scheme, they use the computer with the coding to figure out when you put money on the card. And then they stole that money off the card way before she went into the store to even use it. So this comes as the Better Business Bureau revealed that 50% more people have reported gift card fraud this year compared to last year. Barry Dugan, a patrol sergeant for the Panola 
Police Department out in California warned of another method thieves are using to steal the card codes. Somebody was taking gift cards from the store without paying for them and without loading them up. And what they do is they heat up these envelopes to where they can open them as carefully as they can, remove the card, and actually cut the top of the card off, he said. The scammer keeps the portion of the card that contains a code, puts the bottom portion back into the envelope before re-gluing it shut. Just like that, you have a brand new gift card that you think you're getting for your person for Christmas. Scammers are getting creative in other ways. That's according to cyber guy, Newt Newtson, including tactics to impersonate friends or loved ones so the victim will think someone they know is urgently in need of money. Fraudsters are trying tricks such as selling gift cards at a discounted rate in exchange for money or other gifts, or a phishing scam in which a scammer impersonates a retailer and asks consumers to pay with a gift card, compelling them to hand over their information. Godovic said she spoke to a Target guest services rep who pulled up the same information her friend's daughter received when she attempted the purchase, but she was told that not much could be done at the store level. Eventually, Godovic got her $200 back from Target after she was called a process and a lot of persistence (laughs) and offered some advice for making gift card purchases going forward, telling viewers, photocopy the cards they buy and keep all the receipts. When you make that phone call, you need to be able to send them all of the info. Be persistent. Don't take no for an answer. Also, you can dispute the charge on your credit card, and they're very helpful because they consider this fraud and theft, and they will dispute that charge until you're able to resolve it. But Target, I stuck to it, and I was able to get that gift card replaced by Target Gift Card Services, she said. It's really sad, but man, this time of year, supposed to be a happy time where we give and we celebrate each other, and the reason for the season, we shouldn't be having to cover ourselves from people who are going to be evil, wicked, and stealing stuff like gift cards. I don't know. Taylor Swift said, haters going to hate, liars going to lie. Stealers going to (laughs) steal. I guess we are what we are. So what is all this action? We've we, you've watched it. We've we've talked about it. Not going down that road again. But these illegals coming across our southern border in record numbers—they're clogging up everything around our border. Border crisis leads to 13-hour wait times for legal crossings at Texas and Mexico ports of interest. We're talking about they got to wait to get the illegals processed, so legal crossings are having to wait sometimes 13 hours. Residents in Mexico, they're furious as the border crisis along the Texas-Mexico border, it's frozen all the legal crossings. Some locations, people legally authorized to enter the U.S. have to wait 13 hours in line to cross at a port of entry. The long wait times come as 
overwhelmed and understaffed U.S. federal authorities. They're forced to deal with record-setting numbers of migrants illegally crossing the Rio Grande, making claims of credible fear to avoid deportation. This influx of migrants forced U.S. Customs and Border Protection to stop the rail bridge and Eagle Pass, close legal crossing lanes at its ports of entry, to move officers to assist in transporting, processing, caring for the thousands of migrants that are crossing the river every day. Currently, there's only one crossing lane in use at the International Bridge Number 2 in Piedras Negras Eagle Pass, a move that immediately led to extremely long wait times. Law enforcement sources in Koala revealed to Breitbart, Texas, that the line leading to the port of entry went back for miles from the river, all the way to the nearby city of Nava. Authorities in Mexico were forced to deal with scuffles, traffic issues, as enraged locals grew tired of waiting in line. And then some tried to cut in line. I bet that was fun. According to information coming from the head of the local chapter of the National Chamber of Commerce, Piedras Negras is experiencing a loss in commerce of 150 grand a day because of the ongoing border crisis. Businessmen claim that the closing of the rail bridge and the slowing down of legal vehicle crossings are hurting local businesses and major enterprises that use the port of entry to move their goods. And that's all. Thank you, Uncle Joe, for not enforcing the laws and creating another debacle that is unnecessary, but somehow it's good for you. And Americans are wondering, why is it good for you? Well, we know it's good for him or he wouldn't be allowing it. Now, let me give you a a little inside thing about, you know, we're not the only place on the planet that has to deal with illegal border crossings. You remember, I guess it was seven, eight years ago, northern, uh, the northern t- part of Africa, where all of those immigrants were getting in boats, going across the Mediterranean to European countries. Many of them ended up in Germany. Criminality in Germany just went off the charts. I mean, it was horrible. Women could not leave their house after 5 o'clock local time anytime because gangs of these illegals coming from Northern Africa were out. There were rapes, murders, thefts, people getting beat to death all across Germany and other European countries. So what did they do? They had to make choices. And they, just like we should be doing, did everything they could to stop it. The French Parliament approved day before yesterday a divisive immigration bill that's intended to strengthen France's ability to deport foreigners who are considered by the court to be undesirable, prompting a heated debate after the far right decided to back the measure. It passed the lower house of Parliament with a 349 to 186 vote Tuesday. It had previously been voted by the Senate. Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne said the text of the bill includes useful, efficient provisions that were expected by our citizens. Interior Ministry Darmanine, who championed the bill, said the government wants greater firmness against foreign offenders. 
Who here can say that we must allow criminals, people on our land, who attack us, attack our professors, and who attack our police forces, and who attack the youth on the cafe terraces, without reacting? The bill needs to be officially enacted into law. This vote comes after Parliament members from French presidential Emmanuel Macron's centrist majority and the conservative party, the Republicans, found a compromise to allow the text to make its way through the complex legislative process. Macron's government doesn't have a majority in Parliament. Conservatives, who pushed for a hardline approach, said the compromise text features provisions that will reduce the number of migrants coming to France, notably by limiting foreigners' access to social benefits. Joe Biden's administration pays everything for these illegals. No questions asked. Food, housing, clothing, education, health care. We the people, me and you, the United States of America, we're footing the bill. And it's time that that stops. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here today. Controversy again. Man, we're having way too much of that, don't you think? You guys forget about the bad. Concentrate on the good. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Frosted window panes, candles gleaming inside, painted candy canes on the tree. Santa's on his way. He's filled his sleigh with things. Things for you and for me It's that time of year When the world falls in love Every song you hear Seems to say Merry Christmas May your New Year dreams come true And this song of mine In three-quarter time Wishes you and yours the same thing too
was in love Every song you hear seems to say Merry Christmas May your new year dreams come true And this song of mine In three-quarter time Wishes you and yours The same thing too 